0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Hey, this is Jeremy Reisman, and I'm here to remind you that the POD cast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, the jerky that helps fuel your Detroit Lions. Yes, y'all know I'm a real journalism, right? So when Righteous Felon approached me and said, the Lions, use your beef jerky, I had to do my journalistic duty and check. And indeed, Righteous Felon jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at their training facility in Allen Park. Each two-ounce bag has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has 8 grams of protein. It's good enough for our Detroit Lions. It's got to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon uses locally sourced, all-natural Black Angus beef and prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. Go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order. September only. It ends in September. Again, that's POD20 at your checkout.
2: In September for the Detroit Lions. This is a feeling I haven't had in a minute. This feels good. This is nice. This is nice. It's nice and warm. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit PODcast. Pride of Detroit.com. Pride of Detroit on Twitter. Pride of Detroit on Facebook. We say it every week. You know where to find us. We're here. We're here. Ice V right here, homie. And we are live on twitch.tv slash. Pride of Detroit. Get the POD cast every Monday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeart Radio. Uh, oh geez, am I forgetting anything? iTunes, speaker, spreaker. I said Spotify already. Okay, whatever. You know where you get podcasts. I'm Chris Fett, the delirious adequate host and multimedia editor of Pride of Detroit at Perfett on Twitter. Uh Wow, we've had a lot to celebrate today, and we're going to just celebrate it even more as we break down all of what happened in the Lions' first win of the year. And it comes in week two, which means the Lions are 500. Lions are 500, baby. Let's bring in the crew. Jeremy Reisman, fearless leader, the producer, editor in chief of Pride of Detroit. Jeremy, taking your shirt off. Did you take taking my shirt off? No, no, no. <laughs> mean no I'm not- saying you are taking, you, you, Okay, never mind. The magic I mean, radius. I might. I, might.
1: I feel I feel that good, honestly, about this game it because, it, man, like there was so much cynicism going into this game. People are already trying to call this a must-win game, and and I think maybe for some Lions fans, it was kind of a must-win for them, not for the team. Because I don't care if you start zero to and only ten percent or whatever, make the playoffs. Like they were going to be fine, but it felt like if they were going into that Minnesota game zero to two, some Lions fans would really lose faith in the ship, and and and. Listen, I don't I don't I don't know how they could have gone out and and earned some more trust, earned some more faith in this regime after maybe one of the best halves of football I've ever seen out of this football. Well, it's funny because we'll talk about that half in a second,
2: because I know exactly who you're talking about those people, but. Those people were also also nitpicking kind of as I was a little bit, but I was doing it as a critique, but they were absolutely doomer that this game was lost because of the points left out there and something the commanders are charging back for them. The game was already over and the lions were already. zero and two. So they were doing it in game too. It's uh, there's no winning with this crowd. It's a tough crowd, but Hey, at least we're not the Denver Broncos where our team, our fans are apparently calling the uh, counting down the play clock for their own team. That happened today. Some some teams need a little extra help. Well, the Lions don't need that help, but we need the help from the third man, the man Ryan Matthews.
1: Is the motherfucking
2: rock guy. Senior editor at at Ryan underscore p o d. Ryan, buddy, you feeling all right?
3: Yeah, I'm feeling fine. Um, the only thing higher than my temperature was the scoring in the second half. No, that's not true. Um, (laughs) this was a high scoring
2: game. The lions have now for the first time since the 1950s had three games straight going back to last year of 35 plus game of 35 plus that hasn't happened since 1952. I think that's all right. Yeah. Last time the lions won an NFL championship.
1: And anytime, well, that's not the last 57 was the last time, but oh, yeah, that's right. Whatever. But yeah, I mean, anytime you're, you're talking about records that go back to the 1950s, like, Oh, okay. Something good might actually be happening now. Speaking of a bunch of records that was broken too.
2: Uh, we've got one, we're, we're going to get to our player, player nods and, and critiques later, but one guy, we will talk off the top just broke a bunch of records, but first we're going to start as always with, The monologues, I think I know where I'll go with mine, but since I had the post game, I feel like Jeremy and Ryan should lead off the top here, getting into this. So Jeremy, your main takeaway, your column, your spicy hot take column, your column for Monday is
1: what on this game? There are about 10 different awesome stories from this game, but while driving home from day from, from the game, this one dawned on me. The Detroit Lions have stars. They have star players and they came up in the biggest times for this game. And that's something we, ha- I mean, that's the, the missing piece that we've been talking about for so long. They've got some of these depth pieces, they've got guys that are okay. They don't have star pieces. So when your running game starts to struggle in the second half, I don't know, just hand it off to Amon Ron. He'll take it for 50 yards. When you're facing a third and 15 and it looks like your offense is going to settle for another field goal, I don't know, dump it off to DeAndre Swift and see what he can do. When your defense needs a play, Aiden freaking Hutchinson will get you three sacks and a half. This team has guys who can go up and make plays when they need to on both sides of the ball, too. Malcolm Rodriguez continues to play his ass off. And so now I'm starting to get a little too excited about this team because... We're talking about all these offensive weapons and DJ Chark hasn't really broken out yet. TJ Hawkinson has kind of been a a forgotten guy. And there's a little guy named Jameson Williams who's starting to run and cut on the practice field, who's going to be ready in about a month or two, who's going to bring a whole new dimension to an offense that has scored 35 points in two straight games without him. Someone talk me down because I'm feeling pretty damn good about this team right now. I, would, I wouldn't call them stars, but
2: I did say in the post game, the lions leaned on their playmakers to win this game. And all those guys you mentioned are their playmakers. And that's been a minute since I think we've been able to say that about the lions.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like and everyone it's, came it's in the exciting, clutch, man. Everyone like, came in the clutch. There, there are are going to be some players that win, you know, Aiden Hutchinson is probably going to win defensive player of the week. And, and, you know, I'm on, or I might win offensive player of the week. Like we're going to have guys win awards and eventually make some pro bowls. And, I mean, that's not, that's not even like, I'm, I mean, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll move on. Cause there there's another thing I want to talk about, but that's, that's my really excited. I'm, I'm feeling really good about this team takeaway from, from Sunday.
3: I guess we're going to do roles reversed. I'll, I'll be the wet blanket. Oh, go ahead. I think there was a lot of, there was some bad from this game too.
2: This was a mixed bag of a game. I a lot to be excited about some concerns. So please want to hear them.
3: Yeah. Um. I mean, the first half was incredible, right? I mean, I, I don't think you could ask much more from both sides of the ball, but then you got towards the end of that first half and into the beginning of the second half. And the lions had four drives where they had 14 plays. Three of them were three and outs. Uh, one of them was five plays and then they were done. Hunts on all uh, of them too. On that five play drive too. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm, I'm just a little bit wary. I'm a little bit concerned of this offense's ability to sustain itself for an entire game. I I think that there's a major concern with Jared Goff, like a huge concern. And I think you can look at the box score and you can say, oh, he threw for four touchdowns. How many touchdowns or how many first downs did he leave out on the field? I mean, how how many did he get away with in terms of interceptions that he could have thrown? I think that there were at least a couple throws that could have been... Uh, could have been Washington's ball and could have changed the entire complexion of this game. and I, that that is that is my one huge concern about the ceiling for this team is their quarterback play. And I know that might be putting the cart before the horse because there's so many good things to that that came of this game. I, I don't think I've seen a defensive first half from the Lions like that since uh, 2014 yeah, I mean it's it's been it's been almost a decade since we've seen something like that. And, and I'm, I'm right there with Jeremy. Like there are, there are star players, um, on on this team. There, there are, I I just know for a fact that they don't have a star quarterback and that, that, that limits the ceiling for this team. Help me out, Jeremy, because I, I, I want,
2: I agree with Ryan for a large degree because as Ryan says, I feel confused by the stat line looking after it because it's a good stat line. But at the same time, like what he's talking about, it's the concern I had last week where the Lions did it, had several three and outs where they forced the defense to stand on their heads and the defense couldn't hold. And I think that goes back to some of the negativity I was seeing around halftime because what Ryan is saying is true. They had that one drive that should have really been, you know, a touchdown and just was botched up. And then they had the, you know, they decided to go for it on fourth down, which could have probably been at a point where I don't think you should have left points on the field. So there was a lot of cases where you could probably make the case that the Lions go in almost close to 30 points at the half. And then, yeah, you come out, Washington responds right away. And the Lions offense response is very flat. Now they get it back together near the end, but there's some of those risky throws he was talking about. There was a throw to DJ shark in, in uh, double coverage. I believe that was a shark. I think, I think that was credited as a drop for shark. But it was uh, it was a whole it was a whole bunch of a mess. But like Goff played fine, but it's clear that like to what to Ryan's point, there's some situations where he just might put this team in trouble
3: going forward. I I, uh, again, like if you're box score watching, yes, Jared Goff had four touchdowns. One of those touchdowns was completely because of DeAndre Swift. Like, come on. Yeah.
1: All right. Let me let me I feel like we we might have to cut out a segment for golf every week because this is going to be a hot topic. Um, <laughs> I and, swear and we'll mix so, it up. Like yeah. we're talking about. The, it the, has the to be, though. Right. It's, the, it's
2: it's the team's quarterback. It is the most yeah. as much as I hate it, it is the most important player on the
1: field. The engine that drives everything else around the game. Here's the thing about Jared. Goff. He left a lot of opportunities out there in the first half. No question about it. They, they had a third down and a fourth down in the red zone that should have been seven. He missed on both passes. He had a deep shot at the end of the first half when the line stayed aggressive and, and had, I don't, I don't remember who it was, but he overshot him. Um, it was DJ shark, I think down the left sideline. Uh, yeah, right, right sideline to be, but either way, um, but here's the thing. Jared Goff was electric in the fourth quarter. Electric. The lion's, had a a possession where they absolutely positively needed to score. And guess what? The running game was not working in the second half. Washington had wise, wised up. It wasn't working. The only real good run play that they had in the entire second half was at end around to Amanar that went for 50. They were finding themselves into a lot of third and, third and eights, third and sevens, third and tens, things like that. And they didn't have an answer because honestly, like as good as the offensive line was, which is another storyline we, we absolutely need to hit, um we they will, weren't great in me. pass protection on this game. But this fourth quarter drive that put the lines up. I'm trying to find the exact score it was. Um, whatever. Either way, he went four for four on that drive and was just absolutely perfect with each throw. He threw it to TJ Hawkinson, who made a nice diving grab. He threw it up the seam to Brock Wright, and maybe what was one of the best throws I've seen him make. And then he threw an out route to Amon Ra for a touchdown. And I've I've been the one slamming the dude who can't throw an out route because he seems to overthrow every single one to TJ Hawkinson. But he just absolutely dialed in a a laser to him. Four for four for like 70 yards on that drive alone when the Lions 1,000% needed it. They don't win that game without that drive. And so, yeah, Jared Goff is probably the reason why they weren't up 35 to nothing in the first half. But he's also the reason why despite the defense starting to to show some cracks, they didn't end up losing that game. So yeah, it's, it's weird to say that I don't think he was very good in the first half. And I thought he was pretty damn good in the second half when the scores were kind of flip-flopped, you know, they're up 22, nothing in the first half. They do a lot better in the second half, but I think that's, I think that's how it played out. I think he came out in the clutch and listen, if the, if the rest of your team is carrying you the rest of the way, and then you come through in the clutch, I'm okay with that. Is it going to, is it, you know, we we can talk about whether that means he's going to be a quarterback who win this this team a Super Bowl down the line. And yeah, no, he needs to be a lot cleaner in the middle of the game to do that. But for right now, for what this team is, and for a, an opponent like Washington, he did his job. And so I'm I'm not hating him on today.
3: Uh so I think that goes to your point though, Jeremy, about the Lions having star players because I mean they don't win this game without Amon Rasey Brown. They sure. don't win this game without DeAndre Swift. Um, and and those guys made huge plays when they really needed it. I mean, if that end around to Amon doesn't happen, I mean, I know you don't believe in momentum at all whatsoever, but I mean, that crowd, that crowd at Ford field, like you could hear like just how deflated they were. Sure. And I mean, if that play doesn't happen, I don't know what happens, but so, so if it's not so much Jared Goff, then, then the other thing that I have is takeaway because I mean this. This has happened for two straight games now, where the offense has gone through a lull, and to call it a lull is insulting to lulls, right? Like, I mean, it, like three it and out. I mean, the yes, team has
1: it, also scored thirty-five points in back-to-back yes, games.
3: It it is okay. I get that, but at the same time, I'm I'm already getting frustrated with the play calling of run, run, pass, run, run, pass, and 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 getting into those traps. So,
1: I, I I'm a little bit concerned with the play calling too. So, I I I I, I don't. I don't think I could disagree more, honestly. Like I thought the play calling was fantastic. I thought they were aggressive, overly aggressive at times. Like the fact that this team was up twenty-two nothing, and the clock is running out in the in the first half, and they're like, "Oh no, 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 we're taking one more yeah. shot." At this. No, I'm fine with that. That yeah,
3: contextually speaking, I'm talking about like just like drive design. Like like I don't know why they're so fine with four yards on first down, and then it's we're gonna run the ball again, like.
1: I, I just I guess I don't I feel don't know like it was that much of a repeat like they kept doing that I don't know maybe they did maybe they didn't I there was I definitely think, one drive where they did what run run pass but I feel like that wasn't a habitual problem I think we just feel it a little bit harsher when it does turn into that the lull that Ryan is talking about where you do get those three straight three and sure. outs the three and a and five yards no question and that's the thing like when you're when you're in a lull and it's not just you aren't finishing drives it's it's three and outs there's been way like the lines three and out percentage is definitely. Unacceptably high right
2: now. Right, right. That, but, that I can agree with. And it's felt more though when it it turns into those situations where the defense have to stand on their head, and this team is sure. is not as much as they have a guy like Aiden Hutchinson. They're not skilled enough to stand on their heads that long. Like props of Jeff Okuda, he put he put Terry McLaurin in a box all day long. But <laughs> Curtis Curtis Samuel got loose. Curtis Samuel got loose a few times, and he made the Lions pay for it. I think though I wonder if that's just kind of the natural progression of football games if every team goes through it or if we're just again like I think it's a good critique all the same. Like you want consistency out of your drives.
3: And I'm not saying score a touchdown on every drive. I'm not saying every drive should result in points, but at the Four same in time Cuz they do that too. Just just don't keep having all these three and outs.
1: That's fair. That's fair.
3: It's good uh, at I, I I Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Jesus,
2: <laughs> ring the bells. Um, since then, I feel like I feel like both of you kind of hit my points from the post game. So I want to give, and I'm jumping the gun on the, I so I want to jump the gun on one of the players because he's the, you talk about stars, Jeremy. I don't think there's a bigger one than this, and I'll go ahead and say it right now, as I look at the records being broken by this guy, and I'm not just being the USC Homer. This is real. This is insane that, that, you know, eight plus games, I mean, eight straight games, eight, more than eight receptions. I think what nine in this game, six straight games with eight plus receptions and a touchdown two touchdowns today, third wide receiver in NFL history to produce a game with a hundred receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns and 50 rushing yards, joining only two other people, Joey Galloway and Javon Walker, 95, 2006 uh there. I I was talking about this with one of my friends who produces for National Radio and we were kind of sizing it up. There's a good chance when this year is done, we are talking about Amon Rao St. Brown as top 5 wide receiver. Oh I mean, boy. I I'm being hot takey here, but I swear to God, if he keeps on this trajectory cuz you have Chase, Cup, Huma uh Jefferson, um, Jefferson and one more that I'm that's skipping my mind right now. I don't know. My brain's bad. You know this about me. But the way he's the way he's producing right now, the Lions have something insanely special with him. And it's it's come on, like what is going on right now? You want to talk about stars? Like there's no bigger star, star than Amon Ross St. Brown. Oh, Adams was the other one I was thinking of. So Jefferson Adams, Cup and Chase, and then maybe up there.
1: I'm I'm not ready to do that, but the man is electric with the ball on his hands. He is such a weapon that, I mean, we saw towards the end of last year, like at the end of that run he had in 2021, they started to just use him as a decoy and as a weapon. And that's what makes him so special, I think, because today, and he said it, they put him in motion almost every single play he was out there because they're trying to draw eyes, right? And sometimes, it, sometimes they did rise. Sometimes he'll take an end around and the safety doesn't know where the hell the ball is. And he'll run in the wrong direction. But having a guy like that is so beneficial, not just because of all the records he's breaking, not just because of all the stats that he's making, because he lifts, you know, he rises the, the tide. He, he lifts all boats. He makes everyone else a much better weapon because he is going to draw so much attention away from him. And, and man, Dan Campbell praised him on run block and called him a pit bull. That was a wide receiver. Listen, like he's doing everything out there for you. Yes. Yes. And, and that's the sort of thing that trickles down too, right? If you see a wide receiver like that, working his ass off on a run play, it's, it's contagious. And we see, we saw it like last year or last week, I should say the lions wide receivers had collectively one of the best run grade PFF grades I've ever seen for run blocking. And and listen, I know I know that's not sexy. I know people don't care about that ne- not you know necessarily, but you know what they say about wide receivers blocking? Here's what they say. They turn good runs into huge runs. And if there's one thing that the Lions can say through two games, they have lot, had a lot of explosive plays on the ground so far this year. So thank your nearest wide receiver for that because the Lions wide receivers are putting in work and Amon-Ra is just the poster child of that. Yeah, I've
2: I, I bow before the sun god. I bow before his greatness. It's amazing. This is a great this is a great weekend in general for USC wide receivers. I was watching. Drake okay, so London. you are
1: being a USC homer. No,
3: no,
2: no, no. <laughs> I'm not. I could bring up how USC had St. Brown, London, and Michael Pittman on the same roster and one Jack, but you know, I won't do that. I won't do that. I won't, I won't get off my angst here. Instead, we're going to take a break and when we come back, we're going to talk about all the other elite performances out of this game, both good and bad. And we've got to give a huge shout out to a man who stepped up, who was one of the uh, tearjerker stories of hard knocks and a man who even in his press conference today afterwards brought a bit of a tear to my eye because the man has really seen some things and, and just bulldozed his way through it. And once again, more love for De- for DeAndre Swift, we got to talk about. We'll do all that when we come back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast. But first, the Pride of Detroit POD cast, we got to let you know about this, is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Detroit Lions players at their training facilities at Allen Park. That's how Amon Ross St. Brown gets, so, gets uh, all jacked up. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the lions, it's going to be good enough for you too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all natural black Angus beef and prides itself on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. So I might've found my favorite over the weekend. It was the uh, baby blues barbecue. With the habanero yes. and the serrano, yes, that was absolutely. I had that and the straight up serrano, which was good heat too. But I think that one was the full package, and I will definitely be using our own promo code, which I'll give to you in a second on that on that because that was good. But I did realize with Jeremy because we've got this here, this voodoo chili Carolina Reaper, and I'm scared of this now because the <laughs> habanero was pretty intense, and I think this might be on the uh, punishment wheel for November. I'm sure
1: we'll see i'm scared I, no no you know what it's not gonna be punishment it's gonna be delicious are you sure yes okay i'm sure it'll
2: be delicious it'll also be painful pain can be delicious jeremy <laughs> this whole subculture of peach people like that for the rest of september you can go to righteousfelon.com and use the discount code pod20 at checkout to get 20 percent off your order that's promo code pod20 at RighteousFelon.com.
0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
2: Welcome back to the Friday Detroit PODcast. This is the time of the podcast during every game where we talk about pro- probably our standouts, or duds, everyone who's caught our eyes. Empty the notebooks. The notebooks. Empty them out with all our notes. Um, do we want to start with, we haven't talked enough about Swift, but I feel like I want to start with someone who I wasn't expecting to have on here. I thought that a good source of negativity going into this game that we talked about with people, a lot of the doom and gloom came with the fact that three offensive line starters missed this game. Vita obviously in the IR Jonah Jackson and Ragnow not playing, but Jeremy I don't know if I've, we, we saw how emotional he was in hard knocks and we just watched his, the post-game celebration. And we saw him up at the podium, but Dan skipper offensive tackle who has struggled like hell to make a, not just this team, but any team period over the course of about seven years played incredibly well in this game, like, like very well, enough that i feel like i'm not going to over i'm not going to overanalyze where he belongs in this roster but a a qual he played at a quality that i would say is 53 man level and what he did on the field helped stimulate the damage that was done helped uh you know be a great backup was running down fields uh to really help some of these plays develop and after the game utterly utterly emotional But I want to cede it over to you because you've got a whole you've got you've had this whole thing written out that you want to talk about.
1: with with Skipper.
2: Well, I mean, it's just it's
1: it's truly incredible story because. I walked into that stadium today having no clue who was going to play at left guard. Den Skipper was on my radar because I saw him I saw him take some snaps there during the week, but I didn't. I mean, that seemed like, okay. let's just have someone back there in case one of these new guys gets injured the, the lines have two new guards on their team who they've had in the past 10 days. And they were staring down the fact of maybe having to start one of them. But Dan Campbell's like, no, I need someone. I, I can trust. I need someone who knows this offense. I need someone who, you know, he said, this isn't a complicated, this isn't an easy offense to just step in and learn. And so he trusted really the Alliance. It felt like almost the Lions' entire game plan. Cause we know how much the, the run game means to this offense on Six foot nine, Dan Skipper, who has spent the six years he's been in the NFL bouncing around, mostly at offensive tackle and said, hey, get your guard boots on, buddy. You're playing left guard for us in your first career NFL start. And you're right, right, Chris, like he played freaking well. Is it going to be perfect? No, he said it himself, like he's going to look at the film on Monday and there's going to be a lot to clean up, but going against Duran Payne going against two first round picks on that Washington defensive line and lines put up 191 rushing yards 8.0 a carry and sure we can play the Jeremy game and take away two of their big runs and they still almost have 100 rushing yards against this team and on that big swift run who is the guy way down in the second level clearing out a Washington linebacker 15 yards down the field dan fricking skipper Maybe, maybe not the best player on the field today, but maybe one of the coolest stories and one of the most inspiring guys out there. So tip of the hat. Strong tip of the hat to Dan Skipper today. Yeah, I no. no, no
3: you covered it pretty well. I was
2: just I'm touched by his emotion out there. We saw it in hard knocks. He's on the verge of tears, you know, asking us like he doesn't think there was anything else he could have done. he's asking he was asking what else he could have done and that answer comes back is like there's nothing else you could have done and he gets a second shot in in this and he proves that there's a lot he can do out there and afterwards in the press conferences, he's talking about all the contracts he's had in the past he said they were not worth the paper they're printed on like i we talked about this i think on the hard knocks show jeremy it's not easy going through that at all like you, you would think at some point he's like, okay, it's the business. You get used to it. No, I've been, I've, I've been let go from a lot of jobs, man. It's never easy. In fact, it gets worse because you start to wonder if it's something wrong with you. And we just watched Dan Skipper, Dan Campbell calling out Skipper in the, in the post-game uh, locker room celebration too. And he's on the verge of tears in there too, man. Yeah. That's how much this means to him, man. This football at its heart, that it just means that much. And that emotion just, wells over you this is a game of emotions and dan skipper embodied all of that today really
1: really cool moment if you haven't seen it from the locker room so head to the lions twitter um really really cool moment for for dan to call him out because listen like in that hard knocks clip you could tell how much it was eating up campbell to cut skipper because he's one of those guys that fell into that bucket of like guys that do everything right guys that work their ass off guys that do everything you ask them to just not physically what you need or or there's just too many guys at that position. When you have a guy like Logan Stenberg who played so well in the preseason, you have a guy like Tommy Kramer, who's a good backup, Evan Brown, who's a good backup. You just, you never think you're going to need offensive tackle four or guard seven. And it turns out they did on this day. And and Dan Skipper really, really made it worthwhile. Like he's, he was one of the bigger, I guess, practice squad additions that this team could, could possibly have had. All right, let's move on to someone else then.
2: So uh, how do we feel about the run game today with DeAndre Swift? I thought he was he, not as much out of him. He had the long of 50. It's Jeremy's favorite game to play. So six yards after that on four additional carries. But still, he makes that big play happen, man. And he has three, three uh, two receptions, excuse me, out of the backfield for 31 yards on five targets.
1: Hey, go ahead, good run.
3: I, I I was just going to say, and I guess this goes to speak about some of the other players on the team too. And it goes back to the first segment, but like that one play that Swift makes though, I mean, it changes, changed the whole game. I mean, those those big plays we've been starved of those big plays from, from skill position players for so long. Um, You know, and and this is like no discredit to, you know, golden Tate and he made his fair share of great plays and, and Marvin Jones made his fair share of great plays, but like, like DeAndre Swift is like stacking them in games now. And and that's what we talked and, and that's what we talked about in, in our first bite, Jeremy, is like once DeAndre Swift starts stacking these games, then it's then it's like, okay, like we can start to have a conversation about this guy needs to to stick around in Detroit for for a long term. You know what I mean? And 100%. and yeah, you can look at the box score, and like Chris said, he only had you know four carries for six yards after that. But this is a guy who was also on a pitch count. You know, and it's not only just what he does as a runner, but he had two catches for 31 yards and maybe the most impressive play I saw all (laughs) Sunday across the league. Yeah. An underthrown ball from Jared Goff that results on him being spread eagle on the field. (laughs) He has the wherewithal to get up and and this play was on third down. He knew he wasn't touched. He knew he he wasn't touched. Third and 15, he gets up and he just scrambles to the end zone. And it was one of the most impressive plays I've seen. And again, another huge play that changes the entire complexity of the game because the Lions settle for a field goal there. You know what I mean? Instead Mm -hmm. of of ending up with, with seven points. And I mean, not enough can be said about DeAndre Swift. Like this is exactly what we want to see. I'm really hoping that he can get healthy and he can get right because even he said, right, Jeremy, like, you know, I wish I was at hundred percent. Like yeah. I, I wish I was feeling better. Um, Cause it, it seems
1: like that guy's hungry. I mean, I, I don't know what else you can say about him. Like seven touches and two explosion place. Yeah. That, that that's all you need out of a guy who's only, if, if he's only going to touch it seven times. And I know he had a pass that he probably wanted back that, that he dropped. But if, if you can, if you can get, 80 yards out of a guy in, in six touches. I don't care how, how he gets the ball. You'll take that. And 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 listen, like, I think we, we should also give a little bit of props to Jamal Williams. I don't think. Yes, his average was like 4.4 per carry. And then right. for a big kind of bruising back who isn't going to give you breakaway speed, isn't going to make the first guy miss as much as, as Swift will. You'll you'll freaking take that. And again, I, I think that speaks to the offensive line in general, especially as a run blocking unit. I think I think Evan Brown is a guy that we should probably talk about at least a little bit. Just because did you ever really see him out there? Did you ever really notice him? It's probably nope. a good thing when, when you don't notice an offensive lineman. And, and so I noticed- just, again, goes, goes to speak to the depth on the offensive line goes to speak of, of Hank Fraley, who probably deserves a game ball of his own for this game. Um, I, I have my issues with Logan Thomas. If we want to get into a negative, no, Logan Thomas.
2: Yeah. Uh, sorry.
1: Yes. Logan Stenberg. Yes. Well, Logan Thomas um, did play in this game. Just in a he different church. I also don't like him because he, he's good. And, <laughs> and he didn't want to be here from, from what I understand, but not a lot of people want to be here during that. Whatever. Uh, Logan, Logan Stenberg. Um, man, last week, PFF gave him a 0. 0.0 pass blocking grade. I don't know how he gets a better one this week. It was rough. I feel bad for the guy because he's he's actually still pretty darn good in the run game, but he, I mean, again, it's a good de- Washington defensive front. In fact, they're they're better at pass block or pass rushing than they are run defending. So maybe maybe that plays a little bit into why the lines were still able to be so successful on the ground and maybe not quite as successful in pass protection. But Stenberg has got a he's got a high learning curve there still when it comes to to pass blocking. And at some point, I I was worried it was going to get jared goff killed or make him make a you know a, a backbreaking mistake but thankfully goff was mostly careful with the football today
2: yeah he had like one bad sack from the unguarded guy like was like up the middle or something but i don't know if that was on stenberg
1: but that was really the only backbreaker sack i really saw so sure well, can uh, we let's talk some defense you guys have any any, any standouts on defense either your direction ryan i've got two what do you what, i want to see if you got one of them where do you want to
3: start Why haven't we talked about Aiden Hutchinson at length yet? (laughs) Good point. Good point. That's exactly where I want to go. All right. Aiden (laughs) Hutchinson, three sacks.
2: (laughs) We did talk a little bit about Aiden Hutchinson in the first segment. We said that he's probably going to get a a defensive rookie of the, or even defensive player of the week to start here because, uh, and look, I think it could have been even more than three sacks. I think exactly what you got out of Aiden Hutchinson is exactly what you got. No, 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 no. I'm serious. I'm serious because, He's still a rookie. He still has raw moments. And again, I, I have to, re- to tell people this is not me putting Aiden Hutchinson down. This is just critique. It is points to talk about how things should are in in the in the in the service of growth. Aiden Hutchinson had, had three remarkable sacks in the first half. The, the, that alone makes it a fantastic day. There were some moments in the second half where I thought he could have gotten home to Carson Wentz a few times and just once again, overshot him a little bit. But again, I'm patient with him. That can be cleaned up with experience. And it just shows you what a disruptive force he is. Ultimately that I I look at three sacks and a half and I'm like, that's really good. And for Aiden Hutchinson, he could have had even better and he's going to do even better once he gets some seasoning and veteran uh, veteran years on him.
3: Yeah, I with Aiden Hutchinson as the uh, resident sack master of this podcast, I <laughs> um, I welcome him with open arms and whatever color jacket we have for our for our jacket club. Well, you have, but, sacks. Um, you have colored sacks. It's probably like a flesh colored coat. You did um, that. Not me. Not me. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, it was so I, and, and this was something that was very apparent, as you kind of alluded to, Chris, but in the first half the push that the lions were getting from their defensive line was stifling. Like Carson Wentz couldn't do a damn thing. You know, how long was it before, uh, before the commanders even ended up in plus territory? I was going to say,
1: I think it was, what they was it? was it first down in the first half, right? Yes. Right. And, like, and I think and it came with like
3: three, four minutes to go. They finally got a first down. Yeah. There wasn't a lot of time left in the first half, but they didn't even get onto the lion side of the field until the second half. Yeah. Like, I was thoroughly impressed. And and I think a, a big component of that was Aiden Hutchinson. Right. But like in the second half with him limping and just trying to, to provide whatever he could on the field, it wasn't, it wasn't the same. Like it, it, it was a little bit different. I, I didn't notice Detroit's pass rush as much in the second half. Um, but again, that's, that's being relative because in the first half,
1: washington was couldn't home. do anything they couldn't yeah. do anything
3: and the the one other guy i want you to talk about aiden hutchinson too jeremy but i know your your second favorite pass rusher on this team is charles harris yeah. and he, i mean safety strip
1: sack sure hell yeah i'll take it man uh yeah to, to go to aiden uh just for a second and and i feel like i have to address the the elephant in the room and and I didn't, I'm not trying to call you an elephant, Brett Whitefield in our chat, Um, but, but he, he was at least a little bit critical of, of Aiden's day saying that some of those were kind of the cleanup variety and, and he got help from, from the people around him, which is mostly true on those three sacks. And, and in fact, that's something that Dan Campbell and Aiden Hutchinson both said in their post game press conferences, but at the same point that's kind of what Aiden Hutchinson is all about, right? It's like relentlessness. It's motor. It's never giving up on a play. And and you need those guys. You need those guys that don't, you know, maybe if they don't win their initial pass rush, they're still going to go and get it. And let's also not forget that Aiden Hutchinson to go on top of those three sacks had two tackles for loss. Yep. He's a force in the run game too. Well, it, it and I want to point this out too, though,
3: is like, hutchinson making those plays and even i mean charles harris gets sacked john kaminsky gets sacked. yep hope he's okay by the way yeah uh injury to the hand right yeah yeah um i don't know wrap it up turn it into a club it's one of my favorite like football like uh just make it like
2: jason pierre paul that's right with more fingers
3: yeah just turn it into like a weapon right but (laughs) (laughs) um the thing that I thought was very encouraging from this game versus last game was that the Lions were actually able to get home. They right. actually brought yep. down Wentz. And Wentz is a guy Wentz is a guy who did get away a couple times, but those couple times he got away was in the second half yeah. when Mr. Relentlessness himself was kind of on one leg. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it was encouraging because it just let me know that last week's game was more so about Jalen hurts and his freaky ability to escape and, yeah. and, and make plays with his feet. The lions are because Carson Wentz is no slouch. Like he's a big guy. Like in order to get him down, you really have to wrap up and bring him down. And, um, and to that point, thank God they finally called an intentional grounding. That's um, right. yeah, but I, 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 yeah, don't I
1: don't cheer in the press box, but I did cheer at that point because I, it, that was like a release of frustration from last week. And I, I let out a little, yeah.
3: I had enough time to tweet. Like, I had enough time to, like, complain before they threw the flag. Like, I, 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 <laughs> right. I, I was like... It, it, it was a was very like, long time. I was like, that ball did not get past the line of scrimmage, <laughs> and he is clearly in the tackle box. Do I just not understand the rule? <laughs> um, But, uh, again, like, it, it's just a good thing the Lions don't have to play Jalen Hurts twice this right. year. Um, Maybe they'll see him in the playoffs. Who knows? But, um, yeah, down. I, it, 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 it's awesome that they the pressure is real, right? Right. But like what we saw last week wasn't Fugazi. It wasn't blitz. It wasn't scheme. It wasn't any of that.
1: But, but it's today. I, I will say a lot of it. I do think is kind of scheme. It's not that these guys aren't winning their one-on-ones, which I, I would like to see them win more of their one-on-ones, but I feel like Aaron Glenn deserves a fair amount of credit too, because the amount of time he's dialing up like defensive back blitz, like I feel like every safety or corner blitz has gotten there and, and credit to Deshaun Elliott credit to, um, Mike Hughes, both those guys have been excellent at rushing the passer. Oh, uh, he I dropped think... a pick.
3: He had like a surefire pick. Mike uh, Hughes. We, we had a
1: couple drop picks today. Oh, dude. Uh, the Tracy Walker one. I like.
3: I, I wanted to be upset at him, but at the same time, he probably had to be like, "What the hell is happening? <laughs> like, <laughs> right? why is the <laughs> ball here? Like, why am I about to Willie this ball?" Like... Since
2: we're since we're in the defensive backs, can we please talk about Jeff Okuda? Sure. I thought he had a great game. A lot of good. A lot of good like, from Jeff Okuda. I came into this game terrified of Scary Terry, of Terry McLaurin, because I know the damage he can do. I know that kind of deep play specialty that can happen when he decides to take the top off the game. And he had a, he did have one thirty-five yarder. He's going to end the game with, with seven <laughs> was yeah that will, that that again like Jeff Okuda <laughs> had to leave the game for a bit with cramps, and we immediately see. But that's my point. Yeah, I I I don't think Jeff Okuda was shadowing him the entire game. It just happens that scary Terry was on his side of the field more often than not, but he put Terry McLaurin in a box. He did not let him, he did not let him out of the box. Like it was Friday the 13th or, or I'm not good with slasher films. You know what, you know what I'm talking about? Hellraiser, but he put scary Terry in the box and he doesn't let him out. Like Jeff, Jeff Okuda like took away. And I think that's part of the reason why Carson Wentz looks so uncomfortable. Like he had his biggest weapon taken away from him for most of this game and it only really stopped when Jeff Okuda had to come out because he was dealing with some sort of cramps or something. He went to the yeah, the locker room again. for a second. Yeah, cramps again for a second game. But like uh, that's that's uh, again, there's no big plays from Jeff Okuda. That's not going to show up right. in, a, in, a, in a scorecard anywhere. It maybe shows up in PFF grades later on. But you're you're take you're shutting down a side. You're taking away Terry McLaurin. Yeah, Jeff Okuda is getting a good
1: grade from me in this game. Yeah, I think it was mostly good. Um, I, You know, he gave up one kind of, not big play, but like one, I, I don't know if it was McLaurin or one, it was one of their speedy receivers. Are, are kind you of,
3: talking, talking about the one where he put him in a spin cycle? Yes, yes. Yes,
1: that was McLaurin. McLaurin, and then he he does end up getting that tackle, and, and it's a good thing he did because it, it could have gone for another 20 yards if he hadn't. Um, But I think the important thing is is that, it, like, like Chris said, he, he's keeping everything in front of him. For the most part, there's nothing that's, that's getting, he's not getting beat over the top um against some good, good receivers. Now next week's going to be a really, really big challenge, especially if Monty's not back, but yeah, I I'd, I'd say, you know, I wouldn't call him locked down at this point at all, but very, very encouraged by his play for sure. It's going to depend on the matchup, but I feel more confident about a
2: lot of more of those matchups today after what I witnessed from him.
1: Yeah.
3: And, and speaking of confidence, I think all of mine, Like left my body when I saw Jeff Okuda down on the field. Like I was just like, oh my! It's going to be like Will Harris on the other side.
1: Who is coming in to replace Okuda? We need we need to just send a bunch of water to Jeff Okuda throughout the week. Hydrate that man so that the the John Brown's not going to like that. (laughs) Do you know what? Sorry, he doesn't drink water. (laughs) Well,
3: I, I think the other thing though is is maybe we can send him some righteous felon jerky.
1: There you go all that protein build up some protein build up some muscle yeah <laughs> uh i don't know if he's we got some at allen park i don't know if we have time but i can we t- i just want to talk Rod- Rodriguez like i just always want to talk Yo. Malcolm Rodriguez because they're almost at a pick he almost had a pick today but that dude is just like he's always in the right position man he's a like force they, they all over the MAs, field, man. MAs, like i just i can't I can't poke holes in this guy's game right now. And that's just incredible to say for a sixth round rookie starting his second NFL game ever. And, and listen, like Calvin Shepard had one of the greatest press conferences, midweek press conferences that I've seen this week. And, you know, he, he goes off about spying quarterbacks and how that's stupid and doesn't work. And he goes off about, How he he has a ton of faith in his linebacking core and and, and a ton of faith in his run defense. And that was the thing that was striking to me is he's like, who's run on us between the tackles? Who's run on us between the tackles? It's like, they didn't do it last week. Miles Sanders didn't do much harm to us last week. He had one big run. That's it. And that's because we didn't tackle him when we had him stopped. And then they come out today. Washington didn't run run on him. You look at the final stats, 88 yards rushing, 4.2 yards per carry that that's a mirage. They were not that good. Antonio Gibson, 14 carries 28 yards. Well, a lot, a lot of those yards too, were
3: gained, Like you said, Jeremy, it's a mirage because it was soft defense. Lions were keeping everything in front
1: of them. And that's, that's all I need to see is Antonio Gibson, 14 carries, 28 yards. 2.0 carry. Even holding a team to 88 yards total is I'll take that every single day of the week. And and look, I think Anzalone's playing well. This is the second game where I'm just like, Anzalone kind of good. And I know his PFF grade was bad last week. I but again, linebackers and PFF grades don't mix. I think I think Anzalone was playing pretty well in this game too. Yeah, I don't know why, but
3: when when Anzalone and it's probably. It's it's confirmation bias, I guess, for me. But like when Anzalone makes a mistake, it's like there he is. Like <laughs> right, yeah. And he ha- he had that. one of those. He had one of those plays today. But again, like to your point, I keep on seeing him and Rodrigo like in the play all the time. And and
1: Rodriguez had that pass rush too. Mm-hmm. I, that, yep. that almost there's there's a great picture on. I don't know if anyone used it yet on Pride the Trade, but we have an awesome picture of just whence like face first in the turf with Malcolm right over him it's great <laughs> fantastic let's take a break uh I want to get some of the guys who I think disappointed a little bit
2: we talked about one of them but uh I've got some notes for a wide receiver in particular and then we're going to take the best parts of this as we look towards the Vikings and say what the Lions have learned most from this game and what they can take going into week three we'll be right back in the Friday Detroit pod cast Welcome back. Wrapping up the Pride Detroit P.O.D. cast. Another successful run here on a victory evening into victory Monday. I just realized we don't really do the Africa thing anymore. So. I don't know if four leaf clover is going to hit that way on a Monday. We'll see. We'll try it out this week. We'll try it. We'll try it. We're experimenting. New new regime. New new things.
1: I'm still looking, by the way, if there's any listener out there that's musically inclined and wants to take their shot at a new P.O.D. theme. With four leaf clover mixed in, I I I'm, 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 I'm terrified about that.
2: I'm, I'm I'm shocked we haven't gotten any like DCMA takedowns on on our current opening theme, theme for like five seconds of Africa.
1: I'm curious hey, how if, if you come up with come. something and we like it, we'll give you shout outs all the time on the podcast. Absolutely, you'll, you'll get your own command on the on the Twitch broadcast as well. So send them our way if you if if, yeah. if, you're, if you're so musically inclined. Yeah
2: we got some reviews Jeremy i think we yeah, put these aside and now we actually made the uh the the motions you remember how to do this
1: yeah let's uh, let's dig into three or four of them uh we'll start with veronica 808sc says nice podcast as a native toledoan Hell yeah. That now that now lives in South Carolina. I miss Detroit sports. You guys do a great job keeping me up to speed with lion's talk and I'm guzzling, guzzling the Honolulu blue Kool-Aid looking forward to the season, which gives you an idea of how far we're behind here. Thanks for the premium content. Matt Kane, Simpsonville, South Carolina. Oh, and FTP. Uh, Sean T three, one three says best podcast around for all things lions says pride of detroit is my go-to for all things lions as die diehard lifelong season ticket holding fans you guys provide everything i need to stay up to date with my favorite sports team keep up the great work and let me know if you ever like die-hard fans on your podcast as i'd love to join um next one comes from all right i guess um which says much more nice things about us Um, says good stuff moved to the northwest ohio moved from northwest ohio to columbus ohio i'm not going to read what's in parentheses um but you can probably guess if he's in columbus uh and really missed having other Lions fans to talk to uh after trying a few lines podcast pod was easily the best and made me more knowledgeable on the lions than i ever was before jeremy ryan eric and others really all know football and are great to listen to keep up the great work go lions and just because I want to make Jeremy say it, go expletive. Not going to say it. <laughs> Sorry. Mozzarella sticks? Nope. Mm. Momentum? Much, much more worse. Much more worse. Much, much more worse. Much, much worse. <laughs> um, let's close it up with HDKD Kenikofunizan. Sorry. um are a lot of words and letters smushed together uh says so great podcast five stars great show for premium lines content transplant michigander living in chicago so all the bear slander warms my heart keep it up like guys a lot of transplants and i that's again that's something i i feel like is really cool with our with the podcast platform in general is we can reach out to to people and they can feel like they're they're just hanging out with the with the fellas with the that's lions. That's always fans. been that's always been the mission the of cast.
2: That's right. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about coaching, and not even much on the Lions coaching, but I, I, I I'm curious how much you feel Jeremy and Ryan this factored into the Lions I, winning this game. I I won't say straight up winning this game, but it definitely made. Decisions at the end a lot more comfortable for the Detroit Lions. We have to go to our old friend, Riverboat Ron, Ron Rivera, who down 14, scoring the touchdown, uh, the last of two touchdowns. I think that that was a touchdown that made it 21 29. Jeremy? Sounds right. Yes. So he was only actually,
3: or wait, when I'm trying to remember, he was down 14. And they scored, and yes, it was 29-21 Lions, and they decided to go for two. Yes, that's correct. Sorry, I'm getting my
2: box score mixed up with another two-point conversion they did. And they failed on the two-point conversion. Picked by Bobby Price. That's right. Now, I, I know the math because I saw Jeremy immediately blasted out. I know that Ron Rivera is getting... Killed a little bit for it. And I know the math is there about going for two down 14. I understand that. I probably wouldn't have wanted that decision to be made if it was the Detroit Lions, though. Not that junction of the game. I don't know about you,
3: Ryan. I don't know. Um, I get it. I get the math behind it. Um, and I feel like it's a little bit of revisionist history after we see that you know Washington misses the extra point, and then all of a sudden it's like now it's Aubrey. now it's a nine now it's but that's the thing
2: the two add up and now suddenly it's a nine point game the law and the Lions pretty much have it wrapped up after they recover the onside kick.
1: Yeah, I mean to to run through kind of really quick just how how it works, the the math behind it in case people are are, are interested. I'll try to run through it as quickly as possible, just nerd just to be nerd out, but. The idea is that teams essentially convert on two-point conversions about 50% of the time. So if you don't make the first one, there's a good chance. I mean, it's kind of a gambler's fallacy, but chance, good chance that you make one of two. If you make the first one, then suddenly you're in a position to win the game rather than just tie it. Um, if if you miss the first one, well, you can always make it up by making the second one. And both of those things are are preferable to just kicking extra points and going to overtime because overtime itself is just a 50-50 theoretically mathematically it's just a 50 50 throw up so if you make the first one which is one of two possible scenarios suddenly you have a much better chance of winning the game and that's about a 50 50 50 split sometimes you get the first one sometimes you don't so just there you're, you're taking the odds that you would normally get in overtime 50 50 just based on the first um First two point conversion. Then, if you don't make it, you still have that second two point conversion to send it into overtime, where you do, still would have a fifty percent chance. So that's the whole idea behind it. I know why a lot of people don't like it, um, because it just seems like an unnecessary risk, and and maybe it is. Um, I thought I thought maybe going for two earlier in the game when they did in the third quarter. I thought maybe that was a little early, because I think they went. They were again. I think it it was a situation where they were they were down fifteen, and if they wanted to make it seven or something like that? I, yeah, I, I think the other thing, too, is then
2: when you miss the two-point conversion, then you score the next touchdown, and you decide, rather than continuing to try to go for two and try to make an eight-point game that they kick the... Well, well try to make it a seven-point game that they then go and kick the PAT, and the worst thing
1: that you could ask happens at that point. Yeah, and I think that's that's a point that could be made, is I feel like they should have gone for two there. Like, you, you have to go for two at one point. You're down 15, yeah. so seal your you for right two, then and uh, there. Yeah. Yeah. Like just, I mean, figure it out now whether you're going to need to have to score twice or go or once. And they chose, they chose, they chose poorly. Um, I mean, it, it essentially would have been the same if they went for two and didn't make it a, a second time, but um, they made it. So, okay. I, I guess I'm teeing this up to the question of did, I mean,
2: I think obviously I feel like the answer is partially yes, but do we feel like the lions got lucky because it took the ball, it took, some of the strategy and took some of the sweat out of their hands, and the Lions had a late, you know, turnover of downs where I thought Amon-Ra St. Brown. I, I think even the announcer in the stadium in the stadium thought, in Ford Field, thought that Amon-Ra oh, st- had it, Everyone and instead, in the it did, like apparently. you know, it was it was a turnover on downs. Yeah, and suddenly, suddenly that going back into the hands of Washington that laid the game. If they had only been down like seven or six. It but didn't they would,
1: feel so, so dangerous that, right. They, they wouldn't, the lines would not have taken that risk. And that, I mean, there are a couple of decisions I want to talk about with the lines and that's one of them, but, but yeah, like, I don't know. I guess my game, larger
2: point is like, we would have killed Dan Campbell for all this stuff.
1: I I probably wouldn't have, but this, uh, when I say we, I killed. mean the fa- yes, fans, fans at
2: large media at large would have killed him for the decision-making because they would I'm, have just seen it as an extension mm-hmm. of everything that happened
1: last year. I guess, I guess, where i stand on it and maybe this is just me standing on the winning side it's just like all of these little decisions at the end of the game we're already dealing with washington's win percentage in like the five percent range so like yeah maybe it could have been seven percent if they had done this or this but like lions had a pretty i know it doesn't seem like it and maybe not it seemed like it in the moment but the lions had a pretty firm grasp on this game and a lot of things we're going to have to go right for Washington to win the football game, including at least one onside kick recovery, probably two. Um, So I don't, I don't think anything really changed the outcome of the game, but you could certainly make the argument that Ron Rivera made it tougher on Washington.
3: I mean, ultimately it comes down to that missed extra point. Like if that missed extra point happens as it did, well then, I mean, Washington doesn't stand a chance, right? right? But it, It was just one of those things where, like Chris said, Lions fans didn't have anything to sweat because as soon as that happens, Washington, you know, it's over. It's ball game.
2: It's ball game. I know they've got plenty of time left, but it's nine points. There's no nine point play in your book.
3: Washington dug themselves into a 22 nothing hole in the first half. Like that was the biggest problem with their with their game. I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Can we can we talk about some of the offensive or the, the Lions coaching decisions? Because. I don't know for the second straight week, Dan Campbell's got super aggressive, both in terms of fourth downs. You know, they went for the early fourth down, didn't make it. They went for the late fourth down, didn't make it. Um, But also aggressive with his timeouts. And, you know, I alluded to it at the top, but I feel that deserves a little bit of praise. I know it didn't work out. It's funny on the, it's funny on the aggression before we get to the timeouts. It's funny on the aggression because their first score
2: is a field goal there. And honestly, like I thought that was the time where they were on the field. That was the time to maybe get aggressive you know i they think i had seen on the 17. fourth and 3 on the 17 like that would have been a good place to go for but then when they did go for it later um the next play it's like you you kind of left points uh like they were so that was that was like a chip shot that, that was like fourth and they
1: were on like what was it 3 the yard line. it's fourth and goal from the 3 yeah yeah
2: so i feel like the the I don't know, maybe I'm stupid. I mean, I know I am stupid, but I think like the decision making was probably reversed there. I would have gone for it on the first one. And then, I mean, I, 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 and I don't, I don't know, but like it, it's, it's moved on the second one. Cause that turns into the safety.
1: Right. Right. And I think that's part that that's baked into the part of the equation of going for it there when you're that yeah. far down, because the worst case scenario is you have your defense in a really good position. Um, but I, I think in general, like the closer you get to the goal line, coaches are going to be more opt to go for it. Not not just because if you miss like, okay, well, the, the opposing offense is going to be in trouble, but you're really close to a touchdown. And so I, I like the aggression there. And I, I, I feel like, because here's the thing, when the Lions went up 22-0, every single Lions fan was saying the exact same thing on Twitter. When's the other shoe going to drop? Don't let the foot off the gas this team is 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 notoriously going to give up leads and listen to, to some ex, you know it it did happen to some extent but i don't think the lines ever really let the foot off the gas especially offensively you you could argue maybe defensively they did a little bit they played a little prevent that they, they played a little zone they they let washington get a bunch of the underneath stuff but offensively the fact that dan campbell called that timeout with 40 seconds or whatever in the first half and then the lines aired it out to try to get one more score because 22, nothing wasn't enough. They wanted, they wanted to throw a a damn near 30 burger in the first half. I love that. And I love the fact that they, 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 they threw a trick play in there. Like y'all know what I feel about the flea flicker, but this team was up two or three scores at that time. They're like, you know what? Screw it. We're doing, we're doing trick plays. We're doing end of runs. We're doing creative stuff. They kept, they kept the foot on the gas and eventually it started to pay off offensively. And so I, I, I think, I want to give coach, the, the Lions coaching staff a big pat on the back this week.
3: Yeah, I was a big fan of a, a lot of the stuff that they did in terms of time management and their aggressiveness. I, I definitely I understand why they went for it uh, on, on fourth down when they were on the goal line. Because up to that point, right, I mean, three plays, six yards for Washington, three plays, one yard for Washington on their next drive. Like, yeah. it was very clear that the – Washington offense was not moving the ball and you were going to get one of two things. You either going to score a touchdown or you were going to get the ball back in really good field position. And after that stinker of a, you know, first drive, it was seven plays, 63 yards. The, the one that, you know, didn't result in a touchdown was five plays, 54 yards. And then after the safety four plays, 31 yards and a touchdown. So like, I think that they felt confident enough in their offense that, even if they didn't score on that one play, they were going to get the ball back and they were going to be right back in field position to to score again. Cause I thought that they probably had that much confidence in their defense too. So like it, it felt really good at that point. And I I think the reason why, and, and I've kind of gone back through and I've looked and run, run pass was only a problem on one drive and it was the first drive out of the half. Yeah. And that's where I was worried that okay the Lions are up twenty two nothing they give up that touchdown to Washington and it's a pretty quick touchdown like how is Detroit going to respond are they going to put their foot back on the gas or are they going and then it was run run pass and it was like and then the very next drive it was a pass to Hawkinson like on the line of scrimmage for one <laughs> yard yep and then it was like at that point I was like are they really trying to are they trying to bleed clock are they trying to inch their way three yards and a cloud of dust down the field that's what I was most concerned about at that point because it felt like because jeremy the the, the sweep that I'm on raw changes everything
1: right sure yeah yeah no question and and <clears throat> it's it's interesting because Dan Campbell did kind of mention this um this you know keeping the the pedal to the to the metal so to speak um and and calling maybe some some deep plays like and creative plays like that he, he says you know um, I well, I think you've got these set plays that you feel are good drive starters. When you have a play that you're thinking, "Hey, man, this has a good chance to be an explosive run." Now, you don't necessarily say necessarily say, "Hey, this is what this is going to go for what I what it did," but you feel pretty good about the the run. Then again, I thought Ben Johnson did a good job just getting us reset and getting us back on track. But really, at that point, it wasn't about we're not we're not in four minute mode, right? He, we aren't doing what what you said. Like they were never in that position of four minute mode where it's just like, let's run out the clock. Let's, let's see if we can pound the rock. Um, you know, he said, I, I mean, we are still playing football. So we knew we needed to move the ball. We needed to get first downs and we need to get a, down there and score and try to put this game away. So we did that. So that not only seeing it and, and you're, I think you're right. Like there was definitely that moment where I think everyone was thinking what you were thinking, like, is this team bottling it in? Is this team being too conservative? Are they going to blow a 22 point lead, which is the biggest one they've blown in however long. Um, but then they responded and, and they responded coaching wise. Jared Goff responded. Deandre Swift responded. Amon Ross St. Brown responded and and it, it won them a game, right? Like the defense needed them to stand up and they did complimentary football.
2: Uh, I want to do one takeaway for what you want to see the lions, like either improve upon or carry into the Vikings game here next week. So, uh, I guess the one thing I do, and it was kind of a note on a player that, I mean, we were pretty positive on a lot of our player things, but I would like to see DJ Shark get more involved with the offense. Um, this was a rough stat line for him. Uh, four four targets, nothing doing. And I know a couple, I, I think one or two of those were drops. One of those was a ill-advised Jared Goff and a double coverage. But, and I know it takes time for Jared Goff to get used to some of his receivers, but I just thought shark would be more involved in this offense at this point. Fair.
3: That's fair. That's fair. Um, I have another player on the offense who I think has been pretty. <clears throat> he, it's hard to put my finger on it. Cause it felt like he was there in game one. He was a complete non-factor in my opinion, in this game. That's TJ Hawkinson. Um, I haven't really, I haven't seen him be the reason that a run has been sprung, uh, for like a big play or a big game. Um Maybe maybe I need to to look a little bit closer. In terms, there was of was one he's play been bringing as a blocker. There there was one play late, but that was really all that was going on. I think. Yeah, a- as a receiver, I mean, two drops in today's game. Um, that that's concerning. Um, and for a guy who. A, a lot of fans to be honest and i mean i I'm, I'm certainly one of them who thinks that like hawkinson is more of an asset uh to this team than a lot of people think but for a guy who's playing for a contract it certainly doesn't seem like he's the you know 15 million dollar a year guy he's playing more
1: like the 5 million dollar a year guy i think that's fair um <clears throat> for me i'm going to say i i want the run defense to continue it's it's trajectory right now. Um next week, I know Minnesota's kind of changed their offensive identity from from what it used to be, which is a more of a ground and pound thing, but it's it's still good practice in the NFL to stop the run on first and second down and get yourself into a lot of third and longs because we see we see what Aaron Glenn can dial up. We see what some of these guys can do when it's an obvious passing down. And that's that's how you beat the Vikings. And I'm not I'm not predicting any wins or or anything like that down the road. But if this team can build off of what they did in the run defense this week and continue it forward, like I know Kelvin Shepard is very confident that they will. I think it could do a lot to fix some of the personnel issues that remain on the defensive side of the ball, especially in the secondary. I, I want to ask
3: you a quick question about the run defense real quick, because a player who I was high on as, as many people were heading into the season, even nationally was Ali McNeil. And Mm -hmm. again, it it might be something that uh, I need to go back and I need to see on the all 22, but it it seems like through two games, there haven't, there haven't been like, Oh man, did you see that Ali McNeil play? And he was doing that in his rookie season at least once a game. And part of me is like, is this a scheme switch thing? And he might be a little miscast now and he might just be, you know, getting to learn the ropes or like, is this something where it's like, no, like he's he's just this player who might be
1: miscast in in this new scheme. It's it's a fair question. Um, it's a new position, right? Like I think we yeah. we have to point that out. Like he's playing more three tech than just base nose tackle. Um, and I know I know I'm I'm stealing Eric Thunder a little bit because he was in the locker room with him and and I know talked to him a little bit and we we talked about that. Um, he said he was doubled almost every play against Eagles and listen that like the lines will take that right if he's getting doubled that means someone else is getting free and the lines have a lot more talented guys on that defensive line now and that's get Aiden Hutchinson to win some one-on-ones get Charles Harris to win some one-on-ones the Um, the Eagles know how valuable Lee McNeil is right right that's right (laughs) they damn near drafted him but uh yeah I mean it's also one of those positions that's hard to catch on the live feed um so I'll yeah, have to go it's back gotta be a second check. watch through. Yeah, right. I, I I honestly can't tell you how he played in this game. I that we'll, we'll have to wait and see, but I don't think I'm concerned because it it's, it's one of those things where you know if you were to ask Dan Campbell, like, hey, why is not only McNeil had a sack or why hasn't he done this? Like, he'll just turn to you and say, "I'm not worried about Liam. Yeah, I'm not worried about him. Yeah, for for football
3: reasons, like yeah. that guy's gonna be just fine. Yeah, exactly. I think
2: we're good. I think we've wrapped up everything here. We get to celebrate a win, guys. Damn straight. Let's get out of here and do that. Do exactly that. Get toasted up wherever we may be. We'll be back later this week with uh, Jeremy. He'll be with Eric Schlitt. We'll have the mailbag episode coming your way here. So tune in for that. And then later, and then on Friday, first bite, we'll have on a guest to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, probably, I'm going to guess, looking at Jeremy right now, Arif Hasan. Fingers crossed. I know mm-hmm.
1: he's he's transitioning to a new job, so we'll see he needs to he's he's going
2: he's going to a better place where he can shit post even more <laughs> so which is good because i like a reef posting. he's great so yeah all right that's it for us uh for myself for jeremy for ryan matthews this has been pod cast we'll see you star side
1: Pride to Detroit
2: podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels your Detroit Lions. That's right. Righteous Felon Jerky and meat sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein, and each stick has eight grams of protein. Trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it's going to be good enough for you, too. Righteous Felon is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania, and they use locally sourced all-natural Black Angus beef, and they pride themselves on superior quality, revolutionary branding, and unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offerings. You can go to RighteousFelon.com and use the discount code POD20 at checkout to get 20% off your order for the rest of September. That's promo code POD20 at RighteousFelon.com